Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. This morning, I want to ask you a question, and the question is this. When was a time, or maybe even the last time, that God used something you saw to grab your attention? When was a time you saw something and it almost stopped you in your tracks because you knew there was more than met the eye? You knew you were seeing something that had a deeper meaning and a lesson for you in it. When did God use something that you encountered to lead you into an experience and an encounter with him? And so rather than just leave it as a hypothetical question, I want to invite you this morning briefly, if you have an example of that, to turn to someone near you and share. When did God use something you saw to grab your attention and show you something? So go ahead and share if you have. And if you don't, that is fine as well. I'll share with you. So I'm thinking of a time that, um, I don't know if I'm on or not. I'm still on. I won't share. Well, thank you for sharing. I was going to share with Pastor Diane. I realized my mic was still alive, so. We have a creative God. We worship a creative God, a God who uses the things around us to engage us as his people, to engage our senses in ways that capture our imaginations and that stimulate our conversations our conversations between us and God, our conversations among one another. I'm so thankful for the creative design team that we have here at Bethany. This team that uses the, uses the visual arts to spur our thinking, to engage our minds, to get us thinking and talking creatively about the things of God. You know that we use them often as an integral part of our worship experiences in our sermon series. And most recently, they presented us over on your right with a scene of a dilapidated, dilapidated chapel that over the season of Lent rose to renewed beauty and renewed purpose. Now, this summer, we're going to give that team some well-deserved time off. But we recognize that we are still blessed by the fruit of creative artists, actually every time we come into this beautiful sanctuary. The stained glass windows that grace both the front of this space and the back were designed and installed by the Willett Stained Glass Studios of Philadelphia. They were part of the project when this sanctuary was first built. And thanks to generous donors, these windows were installed in 2004 as part of Uh, the creation of this space, and they continue to beautify this space and teach us valuable lessons today, but only if we stop and pay attention. 
only if we take the time to look. Because like anything else that's been around for a long time, we, there's a risk that, that this thing that's become so familiar will just kind of blend into the woodwork. And so we stop noticing it. I've actually noticed that it's our visitors who will most often comment to me on our stained glass windows. And I remember the impression that they had on me uh, when I first came into this space a year ago this weekend. They're beautiful works of art. I recently reached out to the stained glass studio in Philadelphia and was thrilled to receive from them a treasure trove of archives, information, files, pictures, drawings about the design, creation, and installation of these windows. We were sent a picture of the, uh, and a biography of the artistic designer, Jane Collins. We received images of original sketches and early mock-ups, photos of the windows as they were being created in Pennsylvania, and the installation process as well. And as I looked through these documents, it was so easy for me to, to see the thought, the care that went into the entire process of the design and creation of these windows. And it was exciting for me to discover the stories and the truths that these windows were always designed to convey to us. So for the next five weeks, we're going to be taking a close look at these stained glass windows. Not so much to focus on the artistry that's present there, although that will certainly be part of our time together, but to focus on the truths and lessons from Scripture that these works of art point to. We'll use these windows as launch pads for conversation about what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ who were designed to shine as bright light in dark places. Because we have been created beautifully and made according to God's plan with a beautiful purpose. It's when the light shines brightly through our lives, through our words, through our actions, through our acts of love and our life together as the church, that the world might see something that grabs their attention and points them to God. Now this morning on Pentecost Sunday, we'll, we'll turn our attention to the large round window at the back of our sanctuary. And from where you're seated, you probably can't see it well. If you're online, you can't see it at all. So we have a picture of it that we'll put up on the screen. This beautiful window is designed to represent both the Great Commission of Jesus and this day, Pentecost Sunday. We're told in Matthew 28 that just before Jesus ascended into heaven, that Jesus came to his friends and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, these instructions, this commission from Jesus, have been absolutely central to the life and mission of the church ever since. And I invite you to listen to how the design description of this round window reflects this mission visually. The cross of the window frame is emphasized in stained glass, restating the image of the cross as the center of our faith. 
An abstract descending dove in the center represents through warm colors the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Waters of baptism flow around the edge. The book of the word is open in the window's bottom half. Jesus, the Savior, looks down and enfolds the window's circumference from the upper left quadrant. The words around the perimeter of the window echo the charge and the promise of Jesus. Go into all the world, and I am with you always. Located at the, at the heart, at the center of this window, is this, this abstract descending dove, a representation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives his followers a mission, and he knows it's a mission they can't possibly complete under their own power. The Holy Spirit, who was promised to the disciples, came in power on the, on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, this Jewish festival that was celebrated 50 days after Passover. We read in Acts chapter 2 that when the day of Pentecost came, they, the followers of Jesus, were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Now, the stylized dove at the center of this window is designed intentionally to also um, remind us and resemble one of these tongues of fire that came to rest on the disciples of Jesus that day. The mission they had received from Jesus could not have been clearer. He said, go, go out into all nations, teach, preach, and baptize in my name. But Jesus also told them something just as clearly and just as important. Wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the coming of the gift from my Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that this mission would be fruitless without that gift. And last week, Pastor Ali opened up for us that, that time in the lives of these disciples, that period of waiting in Jerusalem, a time when the disciples were called to preparation and to patience. I can only imagine that Jesus had his friends wait during what seemed, I'm sure, like long days so that later on they would remember they were never meant to live out this mission on their own power, 
to remember that they had to wait to be empowered by God to fulfill what Christ had told them to do. They were never meant to live out their identity and mission as the body of Christ on their own. And the mission just couldn't launch until God's people were empowered. And so after 10 days of waiting, the Holy Spirit came in power. And the Great Commission on that day was, in a very real sense, jump-started. Jesus had told his friends, go out into every nation and preach and teach. And here on that day, in essence, every nation in the known world was gathered right there at their doorstep. Everyone from near and far heard the word of God preached and proclaimed in his or her own language. People saw something and heard something that fixed their attention and they couldn't turn away. We're told they came running in amazement. They'd experienced something powerful that demanded an explanation. And this morning I invite you to imagine for a moment with me what it might be like for someone to come and have an encounter with, with us, the body of believers here at Bethany Covenant Church, and have something like that experience and that response, where amazed and perplexed, someone might ask someone else, what's going on here? What does this mean? Now, not that our goal should be to confuse people, but I love this sense of amazement and perplexity where people are moved to wonder because they know they've brushed up against something truly supernatural, something that can't be explained in, in what might be considered natural or rational terms. Now, we know that there are churches and congregations around our country, certainly around the world, who are significantly and intentionally focused on regular and seemingly remarkable, visible and physical manifestations of the Holy Spirit's work. You might think of churches that emphasize speaking in tongues or prophetic utterances or physical healings by the power of the Spirit. And the Covenant Church denies none of these as ways that God's Spirit might continue to work in our world. Because limiting what we believe the Holy Spirit can do or might do has always been incredibly dangerous for the church. But we know from Scripture that most often the Spirit's most powerful work is actually the most personal and deepest. Jesus told his friends that the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Paul says in Galatians that it is through the Spirit that we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. And that if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Scripture tells us it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin, who pierces our hearts, who leads us to repentance and to a turning to God. The Apostle Peter says it's the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us, who makes us holy, who enables us to live increasingly like Jesus Christ calls us to live and to serve him obediently as our Lord. And again, in Galatians, we read that the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now back on that day of Pentecost, people were stopped in their tracks as they heard people speaking languages that they had never been taught to speak. And in our day and age, I wonder when love and kindness and faithfulness are in such short supply, I wonder if it would be honestly just as remarkable and intention-grabbing for people to see those acts of the Spirit lived out among followers of Jesus Christ. As disciples of Jesus, we've been given a mission that we know is doomed to failure if we try to do it under our own power. The work of the Holy Spirit must be at the center of our shared work together. This truth is captured in one of the six affirmations we claim as the Evangelical Covenant Church. Together, we affirm a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. And as this affirmation is written out, it states in part that the Covenant Church, rooted in historic Christianity, affirms one God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit continues the creative work of the Father and the redeeming work of the Son within the life of the church. It is for this reason the Covenant Church has emphasized the continuing work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit who enables us to continue Christ's mission in the world. So Jesus has given us a mission, an assignment, a holy task. But he's also given us an identity. In Matthew chapter 5, he tells his friends, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Imagine what it would look like for us, this congregation here at Bethany Covenant Church, to truly and increasingly allow God's Spirit to shine through our lives through our individual lives, and through our, our, our corporate life together as the body of Christ here. Imagine what it would look like for us to actively and expectantly, to consciously depend on the power and leading of the Holy Spirit as we follow where he leads and lean into what he calls us to do. So we don't give in to any temptation to, to figure out what we can manage to do simply on our own. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, who filled the disciples with power on that Pentecost Sunday, is living and active among us today. So may we follow God's Holy Spirit. May we live in Him, rely on Him, yield to Him, and follow wherever He leads. And as we do, may God's Spirit fill us with that fruit that only He can grow. And may that fruit overflow out of our lives as a blessing to our world. Would you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, 
We ask that you would forgive us for times and for the ways we've paid too little attention to you. Forgive us for failing to see your presence in our lives, to recognize the presence of God himself with us, God among us, God for us. Forgive us for too narrow vision, limited by a focus on ourselves and our ideas, our sense of our own abilities. Teach us to yield to you in everything, to consciously depend on you as dearly as the gift of life itself. Spirit, would you guide us into the ways of Jesus? Teach us, remind us, comfort us, and discomfort us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.